Hello. Hey. Looking very clean for having just surfaced the spoil board. I just work in an office. <laughs> Did you get a haircut? Got my hairs cut. It gets a little too mm, shaggy I- on the side. It starts to look real skanky to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like if it gets long enough, then it's fine. But it's also too warm for that hair. <laughs> Once more with feeling. Three, two, one. I think that worked. Ah, good morning. Morning. Yeah. We should just start saying good day. Good day. What's happening in Portland? Portland. I've been shipping lots of dust boots. It's been very rewarding. Fantastic. Of, I don't know how many listeners, but if so, I appreciate it. It's been very, had a moment last week, just honestly kind of like mildly emotional. Felt like we, between winning finally a couple decent sized job shop jobs, and then we just kind of have had a continuous order stream of dust boots. And it's finally like, I guess I could relate it as saying, not quite, I don't feel like this is the truth, but we made it kind of in a sense, or like we finally have made it over a little bit of a hump where it's just been so tough, so lean income wise that I saw a little bit of of light there, which is cool. It's been nice. Fantastic. Yeah. Really good. I mean, people from Australia buy two of them from you. It's very good. (laughs) Who would do that? Yeah, it was was great to get our second baby pants on the door this week and in a week that i got to install it and play with it too yeah win win that one seemed a little easier that machine has less complication to it potentially (laughs) it was very a very simple exchange yeah Uh, just yeah four bolts to take off the existing hood which is good actually because i reckon i might still have a use for the stock foot at times on that machine yeah. We occasionally use it as a pressure foot. We put springs in it. Oh, yeah, that's super cool. Have it sort of push down as it's riding yeah. hard on the surface. So we might still find a use for that application. But yeah, it was nice because it was such a quick change operation. It means that that's not unfeasible to swap it back if we're running a whole lot of really thin stock or warped panels or something. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's pretty cool. I did immediately start unbolting the spindle nose and kind of as I was fitting it, I was just started to think about like, oh, could you just have some little like pressure foot roller that just bolts in under here mm-hmm. that you can pull in and out? Something that I've toyed with a bit, that that acoustic panel product that we cut that I sent you a video Yeah, of. oh my word. Looks like ramen noodles. Um, <laughs> the wood wool. That stuff's really hard to contain because of how aggressive the re- material removal rate is. But it also, that's a product that really benefits from a pressure foot. I know the, yeah. the factory in Sweden that does it, they've got this funky setup where they've got carpet instead of oh a cause vacuum hold down does nothing because it's so porous. So they've got carpet on the bed for like grip, oh, sheer, sheer grip. And then they've got like a pressure foot rollers, <laughs> which I think there's a router manufacturer in the States. I there can't is. what they call that does like crazy pressure foot yeah. high speed machines. Oh, God, what are they? It's the new one that Izzy Swan's a part of. At least uh, yeah. I've seen that. I don't remember what their name is. Phoenix or they're blue. Yeah, uh, those pressure rollers look cool. Yeah, I frankly thought they were a little silly when I first saw them. I thought, hmm, don't know why you'd want that. It looks like it would break really easily. But, you know, as you describe it, there are things that are just super hard to cut and hold down. And as we've always joked, the vacuum is the magic solution for so many, so many easy ways to work hold. But... There's also things that are just super hard to work hold that don't work at all like that. So Yeah. And I think like the feed rates that they promote on some of those machines are just bonkers. Like they're pushing a half inch or one inch hogger flat out. You know, if you're building caravans and stuff in high volume. This the sideways tool pressure, lateral tool pressure and those kind yeah, of things exactly. are absurd. 
Yeah, I remember the shock and awe when I first discovered that a half-inch carbide tool was actually deflecting under tool pressure. Oh my God, yeah. How is is that possible? For a long time, our primary compression tool was like a quarter inch, which is just a little bit more than six mil. And it whipped so much. It it always whips. And so we kept having to space our parts farther and farther. We'd still get like (laughs) defects on side. So you have the same spindle, I think. But because we're only using a five horsepower spindle, you can't really go to like a even the three eighths is a little bit too much sometimes to actually cut at the right feed rates and like plywood. So the tool mm. we use primarily is an eight millimeter compression because it's just like yeah, the right. perfect middle ground. Interesting. Close to five sixteenths. And yeah, it works great. I love that tool, especially for the five horsepower. I'm, yeah, I really don't like that tool, the eight mil. You don't? It's, <laughs> uh, no, I find it a, re- a really squealy. Maybe we've just never got it right, but I find it a really squealy tool. Well, compared and to a six, it's... right? Like... <laughs> oh yeah, I don't, no, I don't touch sixes unless I have to. Although John did order a five mil compressor recently, which he's using, been using on certain jobs just to get it in there on small parts. But exactly. I think it's like three flute five mil is impressive. But nine point five or three eighths has always been our sweet spot for the compression cutters. But what can may I ask? What chip load you're running on an eight millimeter tool? Oh God. This is where we're going to get into that conversion nightmare. It's yeah. 18 and a half thousand RPMs at 550 inches a minute. So don't know what These that is. Yeah. Okay. We usually run under the suggested feed rates Warning. of what Vortex okay. recommends. They're usually very aggressive and we just can't push them fast enough how many, with the tool. How many flutes? Two. What was your RPM? 18 and a half. Sheesh. Oh, okay. 0.37 mil feed per two. It's Which funny because it's like those numbers, I'm sure the same to you. Mean. It's like, they mean nothing to me. Mm, no <laughs> it's like, I'm telling like my wife, like, yeah, the feed per tooth is three thou. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so you're running a 0.37 feed per tooth. I think I would run a 0.4 to 0.5 feed per tooth. So it's not dissimilar. The other mm. reason why we've always used smaller compression tools is a the spindle just can't seemingly handle a whole lot more but it's probably more that the width needed between parts is less and that exposes less vacuum and Mm -hmm. since we have basically like the minimum required vacuum for a four by eight machine like the more that it's exposed the more challenge there is to it so because you got those hair dryers as vacuum pumps (laughs) so oh man i've always wanted to do this really interesting project because like especially one of the guys that worked for us for a while would always you know spray yourself off when you're kind of dusty at the end of the day as compressed air but he would do it pretty extensively and i was always like man we should make like basically it'd be using the same kind of motors but like a a little ring where you'd walk through and it would just spray you off just a little yeah quarantine booth as you exit the shop and just yep it's like a vacuum chamber you go through next next Car wash. Take your, your, what do they call those? Like contagious diseases shell off. Yeah. Well, be careful dusting yourself down, kids. Don't inject yourself with compressed air. Oh, it'll <laughs> mess you up. Steam will do that. Yeah. Nice to get a little shout out from the, the Pearson Media Department. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did they shout it out somewhere or did it just that comment? Just what you sent me on Slack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was curious if he was going to do like some post about it, but. I think he's just kind of being nice. I laughed when I saw this note in there the other night. I, like, I did it. What did you do? I saw it this what morning. I couldn't remember what I did. 
and then I remember what I did. <laughs> I was like, shit, I should, I didn't want to spoil the surprise if you saw it earlier. Then I was like, well, what if I can't remember what it means? It's not a surprise. You got to leave coded messages in there. No, I mean, as we're talking about, I I did it and bought the Pearson palette system. You did it? Yeah, it's the peer yeah. pressure, the reverse peer pressure I wanted. Happy to oblige. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a little bit biting off a little more than I think I probably should chew at the moment, but mm. kind of on the heels of feeling like, okay, we're having some decent sales with dust boots and things are going all right. Like, if we can just get these pedestals off, and my thought was, instead of trying to do setups for my custom version of basically making pallets that screw down, I might as well just skip that phase and not invest all the time mm. making the fixture and then having to remake it later when we need something different. And Jay had also replied via email pretty nicely, pretty quickly, and answered basically all my concerns of, like, I wanted to put a vice on, but I needed to turn the whole thing sideways in the middle so it fits. And that way, it sticks off, like, a lot. Because <laughs> the, the, yep. it's, uh, it's, like, perpendicular orientation. And he's like, he recommended the right size palette and for the vice we have and it, uh, he's like i don't have any concerns that it's gonna be a problem because all the energy transfer goes straight through the center of the back jaw in yep. his experience so that also just made me feel like all right well like it's gonna save so much time just to switch between even like the two parts we make for this mm-hmm. this one job that it also kind of freed me up mentally to think about like it not just being a production machine potentially if we do want to do some type of odd job with it that i don't have to do any tear down necessarily because those Palettes repeat so nicely. Yeah, well, it's a zero point fixture system, right? I think you could call it that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's supposed to like repeat within repeatable. three tenths, which is crazy. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot. Good. A little. A little. Uh, I mean, zero, zero, seven, six millimeters. Oh, lordy. That's little. Mm-hmm. To a guy that chops wood for a living, that's, that's little. <laughs> I mean, you're in, yeah, like a, what a great place to start if you're starting to think about pallets, like investing in that system mm-hmm. as your build, you know, jumping off point, your base point. Yeah. Making things build up that rather than kind of going down a path. And then, you know, Grimsmo has done of like getting to a point where he's scrapping all these old Norseman pallets and is coming back and just rebuilding them all on zero point systems. And you know, what's funny is he uses a lot of, I watched an old video of his, I think because I was searching so much to watch videos on pro pallets and peers and stuff that just to kind of sink myself into making fixtures and all that. And now looking at the pro pallets that his one of his videos came up from like five or seven years ago. And he was just putting on a mini pallet system from Pearson and like putting it into a space that was like mm. small on the back of his table. And he already had all these others. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like thinking how he's just scrapping the, the ones that I'm just about to like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> start making. I was like, I'm that far behind, am I? Uh, yeah, awesome. Hold yeah, I, I am feeling more and more like some form of a capable machinist, though. Like, it looks pretty basic. But the only shiny, thing I shiny. didn't do, I can't find a freaking rigid tap. Call it for this eight millimeter, which is these holes here. But so I, I did those by hand. But the rest of it came off the machine. This bottom base plate, like perfectly out of the vice. So looks amazing. Yeah, great it's, surface finish. It's looking really nice. Even on this potato cam. Yeah, the potato cam's looking nice. So this is the only, this is as large Um, as I can make basically in the fixturing I currently have. Otherwise, it just doesn't hang out in the vise. So the pallets are supposed to arrive Friday and then I'm off to the races trying to figure out how to make all that work. Awesome. 
Sounds fun. What do you do about finishing those parts? Do you just leave them naked? I think I've had a few people over there over the time since we've talked about putting those out as a product ask and want like in messaging like them to be anodized. But yeah, right. to start out and I will probably just clean them out of the coolant. Yep. Clean them up and I mean the surface finishes are in my experience anyway, really nice. So I like, we like how it looks on our machine, that kind of like machined aluminum. It looks nice. It looks, it looks like a machine that makes other things should look in my opinion. And yeah, somewhere down the road, maybe if we have enough interest, we may do some anodization, but outsource that because that's a whole thing that I don't understand. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I understand that anodizing makes stuff harder, right? Hardens the surface somehow, but at the same time, like it's a huge chunk of aluminum. It's not going anywhere. No, for sure. And it's not going to like oxidize or rust or really anything. No, so no. all of a fixture, all the stuff we're putting with it, stainless steel. So it should last cool. a good long time. So you got the pedestal ATC rack thing coming. As soon as possible. You got dust boots. What about the, the, the duck, duck, quack, quack? Duck, duck, quack, quack. It's basically ready to sell. So what's ha- what I'm, which you could probably relate to, and all the more reason I need to push this sh- stuff out is... I am just currently working on transitioning to Shopify. I wanted to stop mm. all new things going on to our stupid Squarespace e-commerce because it's so, so I, the more, you know, I, once I commit mentally to like, this is a bad idea, it's like, I just get more and more frustrated with it. I'm like, ah, yeah, okay. You know, this doesn't work. And so the more, like I was chatting with Jay about it, they've actually in, seemingly intentionally made it difficult to export your products from Squarespace. Like it only exports a small blurb of the whole long bit of their description, basically. So I have to rebuild all the product pages. So every new thing I make over there just represents a ton more work to transition. So my goal was to launch the those with the new Shopify page or website. So I'm feeling good about it. It's going all right. Kind of have to get into the vibe of like making those kind of things, I guess. I'm not just like immediately like, ready to make web pages all the time <laughs> it's no router yeah i was thinking about <clears throat> i was thinking about your situation last night with that of remembering when we did our big sort of rebuild from magento into shopify and again then we transitioned to shopify 2.0 there's this sort of natural attrition that happens i find of what are the priorities that we need to get over to the new site and get live immediately yes, yes. And then I think it's actually a really positive thing of what gets left behind. <laughs> That's been my experience anyway. True, like, true. Cool. These are the priorities in the moment. Let's get all of that happening. But then you just naturally either don't get back and finish all the other little bits and bobs. But the positive side of that is you're actually sort of focusing the business. Whether yeah. you intend to or not, it's kind of deleting some of the old redundant stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of a pity, a pity to lose some of those pages because maybe they'd be nice in an archive somewhere. But at the same time, it's you know it's moving forward and focusing your outputs and what you present to the world, which I think is positive. I used to be a lot more precious with. I think it's just the design school thing. Honestly, I used to be a lot more precious with like I spent all this time on this website design, especially with the NAC pro- web pages for so long, which is funny because let's just like represent so much work that didn't like do as much as i wanted it to over that time period and mm. i would i i probably will do the same it's a good you reminded me i will use like a, either a web 
site or like an extension on Chrome and do a full page screenshot and then just like save those in Google yeah. Drive. It's like good enough yeah. for me. Like I can go back and look at it. I totally know what you mean, though. What, what I'm, I'm just so excited about all the potential. It To me, it's like representing a huge potential into like really formalizing this being a big part of our business now, rather than when I first mm. made the Squarespace site, it was like a side project. And that was in 2017. And I was like, maybe this Portland CNC thing will be something. And then when we had the thought to like sell a product, which I think we were mostly digital things, it was like, whoa, Squarespace has commerce. All right. And it was just mm. kind of like accidental. And I always thought it looked kind of crappy, honestly, the commerce stuff. So just like I was telling you, I think via message that like one of the stupid things I'm excited about that's so simple is we can very, very simply add more like international countries to ship to on on Shopify because they do all the automated pricing of shipping for you. Like I don't have to go do research. Like right now I have to basically cover myself to make sure that when we ship something to New Zealand, it's not costing me $100 extra or something. Because but you want to know a silly example is shipping to you where you are versus literally, I think, Melbourne itself is like mm. 50 different, 50 more dollars. Ah, right. And, I, and how do that, I know that? Like, you know. Was that calculated in checkout when we bought the dust boot? It's not calculated at all. I just had to go look those up. <gasps> That's what's crazy about it oh. right now is I'm kind of just. You have to do so much of your own work. Oh, no. And as I'm no, setting no, up the no. Shopify, I just was like throwing new countries. I was like, oh, what about Switzerland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. I think you guys have got it pretty good with Shopify and like your compatible carriers and stuff like oh, that. Like we're quite yeah. limited here with who we can integrate. Sure. Whereas when I look in the options, it's like all oh, these amazing options, but they're all like US, mm. Canada. Yeah. Jam you. Yeah. Are you considering international sales at all? Um, look, there's some conversations happening at the moment. I think maybe in part due to this podcast, I had, I think, three requests in as many weeks for makers, manufacturers in the US who are interested in distributing or licensing black butter products. Oh, These conversations have come up in the past from time to time, and I'm always interested in entertaining the question and having a chat. So I tend to jump on a Zoom call and have a chat with these people and just suss them out, see what the vibe's like, what the alignment's like, and also just talk through all the, it's quite complex, like talk through how the hell that might work. Anyway, I had one call maybe last week, which was by far the most positive of these calls that I've had. And yeah, I think there's potential there. I don't want to ship anything overseas. I don't believe furniture should be shipped yep, yep. internationally. I'm happy to buy a, a little lightweight dust boot, but I'd like to not end up in a spot where we're shipping yep. plywood. Yeah. Um, but I think there is potential there for some sort of US distribution where we take the orders and our website does all the work and then someone stateside yeah. fulfills them in yeah, for local sure. materials. Yeah. But then there's all sorts of... Whoa. Sorry, I just got deafened by a message. But then there's... <laughs> there's also just like little challenges. Someone over there is going to be manufacturing them in, say, kit parts, for example, in different plywood, different dowel. You've then got country-dependent variants on the website. And like, I think it, you probably want to just spin up a whole another website just so it's not con- as confusing for the two different audiences. But I don't know. I- I'm laughing mostly because I'm imagining them all being in imperial measurements over here. <laughs> 
Well, thankfully, pretty much everything here is just imperial in metric disguise. <laughs> it wouldn't be too hard. I'm imagining a superhero that's like, it's just a unit machine, and he's like, he's imperial and disguised in a metric cloak. There's a brief for Dali. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I've, over the years, I've had more different opinions about international selling. When we first did the Kickstarter, you couldn't control in 2011 where your backers were from. And oh, yeah. luckily, I had a bunch of people approach me, which was kind of cool at the time. Maybe it was a half dozen or so, which is a lot. It felt like about, oh, we want to sell these in Europe. We want to sell these in the Philippines. I think somebody from Malaysia bought hundreds of them. Luckily, approached me about it and not yep. it didn't just do it but i <laughs> i definitely took a lot of boxes to fedex that went to malaysia and it i was so afraid that it was going to be like some scam or something because i just had no experience with international business like that and i learned a lot about basically not wanting to do that kind of thing and it used to be so much more complicated because there wasn't simple ways to calculate prices for all this stuff and their shopify like at least at that time, there was no like auto pricing and mm. countries had all these rules about like you can't ship shoes to this place because it's got a certain tariff. Yeah, lately it's been interesting, especially I think honestly, your influence has helped a lot with like the your corner of the world where we've sold dust boots over there. And I would have never thought otherwise, I, I probably honestly to like think, oh, we should we, we, we could be big in Australia. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, totally. It's got to be your influence. Honestly, it's got to be that. And I'm appreciative of everybody that's ordered. Yeah, I think part of that is we're kind of limited here in terms of you know, how best to describe this. Like small scale custom tool makers is not really a thing. Like I look at some of the Americans I follow, like Izzy Swan is a good example. Yeah, yeah. Someone with big social media mm. presence who's making... Cool mods, cool tools yeah. for makers. I don't feel like that's really limited here. Mm. So the fact that you're doing this and then we've got a bit of a mixed audience because of, you know, <laughs> yeah. our relationship. Yeah. It does, yeah, open that up, which is cool. Which right. leads me to the one thing that I would change in your business. That's a good segue. I, off the back of You'd the, fire me. Uh, <laughs> the natural attrition of rebuilding a website. And you know, this is a bit bold because it's a one thing and it's not my, not my call, but oh, I'm would, scared. Oh boy. I would, I would reduce your offering and focus dramatically. If I was called in to run PDX, I think I'd go hard on this tool mod trajectory and scale I, back a lot of the other areas. I can't say I can argue with that really. I mean, mm. send me back a month and a half when we just thought about two months ago when we were starting to think about selling dust boots or like putting them public i would have said you're maybe crazy because of how much time and effort i put into like the mac wall thing and it's really interesting you bring that up too because i wrote this down but we've tried to trademark knack the word kind of on advice of a colleague or a local friend here and it costs a lot of money to even do the research on it and i just got word today that it didn't go through and there, which was likely, it was likely that it wasn't yeah. going to go through the first time. And there's confusion with other brands. There's, they think that it's a surname more than it is a brand, yeah, right. which is like, I've never heard of anybody named Knack. And so anyway, I've got to spend roughly 3000 more dollars if I want the lawyers to even write letters back and try to get it to pass again. And I'm just like, Holy I don't smokes. want to continue spending money on this at this point. 
but I've also spent so much. The, the sunk cost fallacy is heavy with this. It's like we've spent Jeez. well over 10 grand to like research into like patentability of this <gasps> trademarking, like, and, and wow, now with okay. the success of the PDX CNC stuff that has nothing to do with that, I'm like, do I continue sinking money into this? But like, not to, not to segue too much, mm. but it's just funny you brought that up because it just happened this morning. Wow. No, I think it's a good thought for sure. I don't know how to, like, do I just, if I have to dig into that, do I just stop working and thinking about NACWAL together? Or my thought was I was putting it on hold till I get back to like the time when all the other products are kind of rolling, right? With like the dust boot, the ATC yeah. thing. And I have time to do the R&D on that again where it makes sense. But it also could just never be as good of a product. So I don't ugh. know that you have to think about whether it's you're canning it or not. Like I would put it on hold, really knuckle down and focus on this new offering, developing those products, but also developing the marketing and the, the comms around it. Because there, you, you know, it's, I can relate in to a point and like it's confusing offering two different things like it's confusing for us sort of offering custom work but also trying to push product and that's yep. within one brand like you're running two brands <laughs> sort of <laughs> sort of but there Depends is a the lack mood. of clarity there is a, there is a lack of clarity there like i think when we bought that sec- second dust boot i saw one of the auto emails came with knack branding on it and i was like oh hang on did it really yeah and so okay. I can, <laughs> I'll pull that I'll pull that up and screenshot it for you. But like I think that's a real challenge for your sort of storytelling and all your, your customer journey. Imagine if you put all your energy into this one avenue, what could be possible in like twelve months or something? No, I agree. And it's not to say that in, you know, you build that up and get it stable and then revisit NAC and the wall and all of those things. I think yeah, we're not we're not killing it off, I think. Yeah. I think it's worth it's just great, discussing great potential though. there. It's worth discussing. I think that's one of the harder things. And I, you know, everybody says this to death. It's not a new thought, but I remember reading the Steve Jobs first biography, autobiography. Mm. And I think he said in that, or it's probably in other things. He said at one point, basically, that, oh, no, it was when the, when the iPhone came out and he, you know, some reporter asked him, like, isn't this going to cannibalize your iPod sales? And he was like, I'd rather do it myself. Mm. You know, like I'd rather kill off that thing myself. Not that what I'm doing is killing off that, but it's like basically, you know, you got to always be willing to kill one of your darlings, right? It's like without that, it's not gutsiness. Without the idea of, you know, each one of these things, like we're talking about last week, it's like we make, I make decisions too emotionally often about business, but it's like Mm. without you bringing that up very poignantly, I may continue to think like these are both good ideas when. You know, even the math of it's currently like, well, one is selling, you know, and, and is a business solution. The other is still hard to describe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very poignant at this point. I don't yeah. regret it. I Somebody here said, or, you know, setting off into the knack product making thing was, you know, it was kind of during when the patent thoughts were potentially killing some of the features that we thought were great and simplified the product of the knack wall and somebody said you know i'm not worried about this at all because even if we don't continue this what what i'm pretty proud of this what what had happened was we had converted ourselves from r&ding everybody else's things every day with job shop work to like we were solving Mm -hmm. problems so fast with 
product you know yeah. problems and and that person was like you know we'll figure out what's next and i think we did that with being able to make the dust boot probably faster than i think we probably should have otherwise if we were just only doing job shop work because it was like we're in this mode of making yeah. products now so anyway I, yeah. certainly not not i don't think you've lost anything by putting that on hold as you say like that being in that space and that skill development of being becoming more efficient at product development it's all it's all a win yeah 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 the trademarking and protection stuff is a really funny area i've always been of the opinion of it's not worth it let's let's put our energy into creating new and better things rather than trying to protect our old ideas and just use our sort of what are what's the expression social capital by putting our ideas mm-hmm. out into the world and kind of owning them mm-hmm. in our audience and on our platforms yeah and then may- maybe day well, maybe one day we'll run into trouble and have something sort of ripped off or yeah copied but i would rather then go cool what's next yeah, rather yeah. than kind of protect it the only the exception to that i think is Speaking of darlings, is like I feel most protective about kid parts. I think mm-hmm. because of how much energy I've put into that. So I think I would find that very challenging if and when it's probably a when that gets challenged. I don't know how it is yeah. there, but <laughs> if I put it in this framework and the person that pushed me to look into patentability and trademarking mm-hmm. when we were setting off and all I could think was we were spending so much time and effort trying to make that be a product that I I don't know if I heard it on a podcast or something, but it was just basically all I could think about after that was if one of the primary utility functionalities of the wall turned out to be patented and we had sunk godly amounts of money into like actually producing them and then had to stop. It's like, what if one of the main features, like how it threads together, right? Or something. It's like, you'll probably find a solution around it, but if you had sunk, you know, what if you had three pencil sharpeners and all your machines were set up to like run this thing super efficiently and then stop and you've sunk all your, you know, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's a right choice at this point for like, it may be mm. more you, you're a little bit farther ahead and maybe I shouldn't have spent the money on it, but we definitely found stuff that would have been a problem if we had gotten big enough. So yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, the lawyers did. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Don, you know what time it is. It's coffee time. You got it. I always enjoy this. If I reverse that sound, it's going to sound like you're in the bathroom. <laughs> I always think that. What's Ricky cutting? Oh, we're cutting some pricey acrylic for a customer. He's cutting it, or he was going to cut it. I, I'm trying to think. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that in advance, but trying to think what I would change about your business. But mostly, I think I'm just I think jealous. I'm not jealous, and I don't mean that in like a negative way. I mm. appreciate your business. I feel like you're like the older brother version of like what I hope to my business can be at times. So it's like hard for me to imagine like how I would change it in a certain way because it's like I would like to do a lot of the things you guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> with different aspects so i don't know if i have an item to change mm. <laughs> don't know you're doing everything right <laughs> thank you i'll take it yeah rather than try and argue with you we'll say mine mine can be next week if i think of something okay yeah i think off the back of my <clears throat> blues last week it was perfect timing and i hadn't even occurred to me as i was chatting last week but john has been away this week 
mm-hmm. taking a break. I got to be on the tools and it was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a really, sh- it's only a three day week here. <laughs> so we're, it's a public holiday yeah. today and tomorrow. Yeah. Only got three, three glorious days, but damn, it was good. <laughs> Couldn't wipe the smile off my face. And you took a selfie with Man. your with your Maso controller. <laughs> look at my look at my girlfriend. Yeah, it was just so good. But running like- parts, but also just being back in that headspace of like, because I knew it was temporary. I didn't want to just run production for a few days and then you know without sort of thinking critically about it. So it was this lovely balance of running production, but also having an opportunity to question some processes and mm. legacy. Stuff like you said last week, like boss for a day, yeah, machinist for a day, not you know, absolutely not sort of taking anything away from what John's been doing, but sort of mm-hmm. looking at cool, where are our processes at now? Mm-hmm. Where have we improved, and what are we still doing the old way, or like where is there still room for improvement? So that was a really lovely space to be in, and yeah, just rethinking a few little things of cool, like that wood wall stuff, like the the messy acoustic panel we have always programmed that in en route which is like equivalent of big uh, yeah. 2d cam yep. and we've pretty much entirely retired en route now so i had the opportunity to make new files for those parts in fusion and just rethink the setup of that job and like you'd be like hooking yeah. luke on the bottom or it's like velcro <laughs> <laughs> sure it's a good loop tm but yeah that was great fun yeah, it looked good. Hey, when, when, I don't know if it was a story or something, maybe you said, oh, you sent me a message. You're like, I'm on the tools. And I was like, oh, you traded John. That was fast. Like, <laughs> you did the boss for a day, like, instantly. I didn't even think, you know, it's like one of those things where you chat about something and you think, like, well, that's fanciful. Maybe, maybe one of us will do that someday. And then you were just like doing it, but it just happened to be a vacation. For the record, I really like that idea. I yeah. think something in that job swap. I'm always trying to imagine what the person that would be trading into the, like your position would do though. Like, do they, how do you, how do you set that know, up? Right. Well, in Airtable, they would go to our SOPs. <laughs> I thought that was it. Opera- oh, an Airtable. You'd set it up in Airtable. <laughs> yeah. That was the main answer. No, they would go to our SOPs and they would go to tasks by role, director, gem. Yeah. And they would see, all my daily tasks, weekly tasks, quarterly tasks, as required, and see all the missing information which I haven't backfilled yet. <laughs> That's funny. But I think there's potential to get to a point where, I mean, this is what we're working towards, is that every role, so not person, mm-hmm. is like fully documented in our SOPs so that whether it's boss for a day or whether it's hiring a new person, like there's just like a full system yeah, that role that someone can drop into and have hopefully everything they need to do the job. And it's getting easier and easier. So Sarah, our business manager, was away for almost two weeks recently. And so Jay and I were covering her position. Jay did most of it, but it was just, you know, when it's well documented, gosh, it's so yeah. easy. That is always amazing. People. It's like, I don't, we don't have rules like that necessarily. So it's always like the things that are well documented are usually like, machine related yeah as i've figured stuff out we've figured stuff out on the ycm yeah. it's it goes in immediately into fresh desk so that i don't forget it yeah no that's I'm that's excited. nice i'm, ex- I'm Seems excited like it- about that i think jay turned on a fresh desk trial this week oh i'm a little distracted we have a truck here with yep. three sheets i'm trying to figure out if ricky is going to handle it or not cool i'm happy to wait let me ask him real quick yep
I wish I had a wig to put on and just transform while just enjoying. Why don't I have a wig in here? Makita inflatable jacket. That's not going to work. I can just hear you talking what? in my Wasn't ears. Talking. <laughs> I can hear you me talking to Ricky and inflatable something somethings. Damn, I'd forgotten that you could hear me. <laughs> Where are you? Okay. No. Back. Back on the air. Did you hear about the Patagonia thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sale? Far out. What a move. Right. Very impressed. I've been inspired by them. While it feels weird to say that I'm inspired by a clothing brand, that's kind of a gross thought, but at the same time, they got me onto the 1% for the mm. planet scheme many years ago. Yeah. Or onto that concept. And for, I don't know, three years or so now, we've been doing that 1% of revenue. So yeah, they've always, they've always liked kind of their ethos and their company culture in terms of what they're trying to do. So yeah, seeing that move mm-hmm. last week or whenever it was about them, the founder selling off the company into a... Uh, whatever it's called, trust. the protection non-profit trust. Non-profit trust thing. Yeah, incredible move. And just kind of really nice reminder of what's possible in the face of capitalism. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Very cool. It was really ironic timing. I have a friend that moved from Portland and actually went to work for Patagonia for a while. And in one of their departments, this is a pretty small company. I just happened to see him again like the same day that same day or the day after that announcement happened and he doesn't work for them anymore but i was asking him a couple questions like basically i just was like so is this all what do you think of this is this on the up and up like is is there any like weird side angle to this or unfortunately too often maybe in america that there's always some angle on like (laughs) we're still making billions on this donation (laughs) but he says it's completely genuine and the the founder is exactly what he's like made to be in articles and his family in particular. He said the same thing the article did, which I trust him, was saying that they believe that billionaires are a policy error, basically, and they never wanted to be billionaires. And they really yeah, technically yeah. weren't, but they were a privately owned company, so they could do whatever they wanted in the end, which is so unique in America that they never went public to make more money or to they didn't have enough money at some point and needed it. But I think... What's interesting, like you said, is it sets a new precedent, honestly, of like what you can do and how yeah. something can transition so that we were joking like they didn't get bought by North Face and turn into like mm. a sorority sweatshirt company. Not, yeah, that, exactly. not that they're maybe yeah. the worst example, but like it's just yeah. corporate greed is everywhere. Yeah. On a lighter note, I don't know if I understand this. This is, like you said before, we want to leave notes, but we don't want them to be too explanatory. That's good. Use the nice, nice coding. I don't understand it at all. (laughs) Mine was just three words. We've got a gap, as you know, in fusion detailing and a bit torn as to the best way to fill that gap, whether to find someone young and moldable and just teach them basically from scratch in terms of how we drive fusion and how to use our templates and Hmm. get the job done or to try and find someone a bit more senior, a bit more experienced who can just kind of drop in with very minimal training. Hmm. I feel like without having sort of gone out and talked to too many people, yeah, I feel like Fusion as a software package is relatively young. Like it's only sort of coming through the universities now. Seven or eight years old, I think. Yeah. So like there's maybe some outliers like us who have, worked in their own business and you know yeah. self-taught 
definitely a big self-taught community of fusion users. But in terms of people who have actually been trained in it, I feel like it's still a fairly small pool. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of just want to do the thing of like putting a post up on Instagram and saying, hey, anyone out there, like hypothetically, would remote. you want to come come to Castlemaine? And oh, yeah, I'd, remote might be an option, but I feel like it depends who it is. But yeah. we'd love to have someone here on site in the workshop, ideally. And, you know, maybe a shout out would find sort of weed out some people. Some people might sort of come out of the woodwork and yeah. find us and chat to us but at the same time i'm sort of i feel compelled to do the process properly and like write a pd first and work out exactly what we want and upload that to an employment website blah 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 don't know be truthful you just want to put it out there and hire some the first person you no, see i really do <laughs> so do i i have well i have i might have more experience than you in this potentially which is weird mm. i've hired i don't know four people now that have basically all used fusion like there's Really, nobody that's ever worked here that hasn't used Fusion. And it was just a big belief awesome. for how small we were at the time that Ricky was the perfect example, honestly. Everybody else had some experience with CAD software. And uh, Ricky had only used, to my ex- my knowledge, only maybe some other weird software, but he used Illustrator. <laughs> what is happening over here? Do you have, a, do you have an animal down below you? The scared button's gonna explode what? under my desk. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> you just Ricky, just, the illustrator. You just suddenly like, oh god. Oh, oh. <laughs> without you saying that, it just looked like like something was biting your ankles, which I believe in Australia. There's weird animals there. Oh yeah. Dangerous things. Ricky illustrator. Ricky was Ricky was one of the best examples of this, I think. And I've had different versions of Basically, nobody came in knowing Fusion very well because it's new. But one guy named Alex went to school, knew SolidWorks really well. He picked it up. He picked up Fusion within maybe a week and a half of working here. Just like Mm -hmm. instantly transitioned and turned out to be far better than me. Like he made all of the parameter formulas for how to make the knack wall in a couple weeks. And then he had to teach me how to do it. (laughs) And I was like, oh. Maybe I'll figure this out. Before he left, he wrote a really nice like guide on how to like make and customize them because we were all just kind of staring at him like, hey, can you make another of those? Because we can't figure <laughs> out how to make another file. So I think it's been wildly successful for my experience of like training people into it. Ricky had no experience in anything like that, really. He used Illustrator and then output to mostly 2D vector style like DXS or SVGs and then would set up pretty simple cam for like his Shapoko at home or his other job. I forget what he used, but it was nothing like Fusion and which is like, honestly, it's like totally a good reason like why I will go back to the same kind of well of the right, the same kind of person. Like he's so excited to learn that from day mm-hmm. one, I, I remember in the interview, he said, I will learn how to do 3D machining. Like that was like the thing he was really after. And I was like, oh, well, we can do that. Like, we can definitely do that. And he's he's gone from, you know, maybe opening Fusion when he was interviewing to, like, he's making parametric models that are on our website that you can download right now. Like, yeah, yeah, it's taken a bit of time. But, like, I guess it depends if I go back to your question. It's like, how soon do you need this to be useful to you, this person and their skill set? Yeah. Yeah, both Josh and I would be the ones training this new person. So... And we're both pretty time limited. So that 
whilst I'd love to take someone from scratch, I don't know that we have time in the period that we need the role sort of fleshed out and filled to do that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Are there many good tech, what we call them like technical schools here, like community colleges or that do training on like vocational skills like CAD and CAM around? No. Is that not a thing Pretty in Australia much. or just not near you? No, I don't know the backstory, but I think a lot of them, a lot of the technical schools were canned. Were they public in the, like, in the past? Yeah, like government. <laughs> Interesting. Technical schools. And I think there's been a push. Now we've got a massive shortage in trades. Same. And now I think the current government is trying to like reinstate and refund a lot of that sort of training to get trades back again. So it's this, you know, that classic cycle. But yeah, no, I'm not aware of any training program in other than like industrial design or product design engineering at university hmm. where they'll they'll have semester infusion or something. Yeah. I'm not aware of any sort of yeah. training program. Well, yeah. I know what you have to do. You have to start a school. Start an academy. Yeah. Yep. Diversify. The Butter Academy. Yeah. And people will always be confused. They're like, are you making making butter? Learning how to make butter there? You know, <laughs> dairy products? What's interesting about I never, I went to university, but what's, what I've learned, I feel like maybe the understanding in America, community colleges, technical schools are like the most successful type of schooling in America. Wow. Like, cool. From my perspective, they're profitable. They're very low cost for the user, for the people going. And Mm -hmm. they're speedy and fast. They teach you what you need to know. And, for the largest part, I don't think they have any government funding, which is just like wild that all that exists in one thing and so wow. many different versions of it. And they're all seemingly very successful. <laughs> it's very awesome. weird. It's, I don't understand because everything else like that would be very expensive because somebody would be taking yeah. advantage of that situation financially to be mm. a billionaire, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand, but I'm all for them. I've communicated a little bit with the local, couple local ones. And I was, I've always trying, you've maybe you've run into the same thing. I'm always trying to hire for the longest time somebody that would run a CNC router and work with wood. And every yep. one of the programs, there's no wood programs for CNC. Yeah. They're always like, well, we teach Haas lathe, Haas, Haas lathe and Haas <laughs> mills. So maybe somebody has some idea about that or has, done word working in their garage growing up and i'm like Ugh, that's not really like quite the same thing you know if you want somebody to just come in and, and know it but they're always very receptive to discussing it not that that's helpful for mm. you no nah, it's a pretty unique skill set here too i think yeah there's people that have ended up with that skill set but they're not very common and half of them have already worked at butter <laughs> no Internship. This is why I think like Saunders's program with the internship, you know, having yeah. students in is so smart because it's like, you know, they're getting great experience. You're not fully committed to an employee. So it's part time. They're kind of like a full time employee. Like you're not like hand holding them necessarily. And then you either can hire them full time if they're great or they continue on with their education or something. You know, it's like, back. yeah, so yeah. nice. I wish I could make mm. find a way to make that work here. Yeah, we need to do more of that. I mean, that's that was Josh's story. Oh, he was cool. a su- summer intern and stayed on. Yeah, and maybe this is like something that I feel like fusion. You know, there's like that skill like diagram thing. You can look up what your skill set in fusion is. 
I feel like they should find a way to like turn that into like a LinkedIn thing where like you're trying to hire and oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like a way to like have a job board of people with these badges of like capability or something. It doesn't even have to be that so much. It's just like Fusion should have some form of like job board or I don't know. I guess it doesn't have to be that specific, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, anything else on your list? Mm. Optional parameters. Crickets. <laughs> I do have this. <laughs> the optional parameter trick I sent you a video of. It's something that I've been trying to work out forever. Most of the cabinet scenario. And it still fails pretty drastically in that situation. And that's primarily because of how Fusion doesn't allow. So basically, like when you're trying to make like a pocket cup into a door and it goes in one time. And then if you change it to the other yeah. side. It can't not yeah. be there the second time. Like when you change it, yeah. it causes an error in the timeline. It's like yeah. space time continuum time. of Facebook <laughs> of, of like, man, that's a, that's a better title. So as I showed you, and I can doors. barely describe, <laughs> as I can barely describe to you in my delirium at the end of that day, I figured out how to make a very parametric optional style jaw set for a vice where you could move the stock around depending on whether you did a binary of ones and zeros it would be center aligned or left or if you turned it to into the parallels instead of on top and mighty bytes of the vice it would shift that down and put it in the right position and all to help me to figure out how to do this a little bit better but i want to figure out faster ways to do setups that doesn't include Uh rebuilding all of this every time or having a bunch of different files so i'm hoping at some point i will find the words to describe this because it's very confusing to me still and the words Uh, don't come out right yeah it's such a hard thing to like communicate (laughs) Uh particularly in in an audio program with video is hard (laughs) Exactly. But I, th- yeah, that screen share you sent me last week, I think was a, a leap forward for me in terms of that min max parameter use. Yeah. And I made like in my little hacky experiments, which I sent back to you, like I immediately made progress in terms of that sort of binary switching stuff. So yeah, we're getting that. But that should work all right. I think if you can ever get it to work with, if you can ever get it to work with features, if you can pattern a feature or mirror a feature, that's like the most foolproof way to like make yeah. it work usually. But the also frustrating problem is you can't pattern or mirror into other components, seemingly. Mm-hmm. That fails, too. There's just a lot of ways you can fail it'd at be this nice still. To be able to, it'd be nice to be able to control suppressions with parameters somehow, too. That's something I've run into. It may in be a future of that happening. Say no more. Uh, well, I'm going to go and see what's yeah. catching fire in my wall. So it sounds like there's a transformer that's about to explode. In my drywall. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Run. And Don't walk. <laughs> my. I'm play, hopefully going to plan the mill, make Thanks. more aluminum parts. I figured out my reamer. Thanks to the Discord's help. That was pretty fun. Make freaking spot-on holes now. They're within a thou. It's very fun. What did I say? <laughs> no, just reamer is a funny word. <laughs> Does that mean something different to you there? <laughs> tell me later. I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Have a good day. Bye. (laughs) I didn't know you used that like the British do.